not on. I'm going to try that again. 1 Samuel 3. Thank you, Mark Bates. 1 Samuel 3, uh, the whole chapter. Here we go. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I didn't call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood forth, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak. For thy servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I tell him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons were blaspheming me and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This is one of the most profound pieces of scripture in the whole Bible. And every time I read it, I weep. Because I have such a sense of the presence of the Lord all the way through it. Here we see God's nature. 
We see his heart. We see how he works and what is important to him. We see his holiness combined with his deep love for the people outside the sanctuary to know who he really is. Yeah, this is a story of the characters here. But the larger context is that God wants to be made known again. His voice is being blocked by sin and evil at Shiloh. Yet there is one who is eager to know God. Who has been prayed for since before their birth. Samuel's heart is open to hearing what the Lord has to say. This morning I'm not going to do much of a frame around this passage. Truthfully, this story preaches itself. What I want to do is simply tell you where I see the Holy Spirit alive in these words. Because this is what touches my heart so much. The Holy Spirit revealing his truth through his word to teach us is why we keep scripture central to our lives. As we study, pay attention to what God is saying to you. What he is reminding you about. Listen to how he wants to touch your heart and mind in the way that he most needs to. The first thing that strikes me is how the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now we need a bit of context for this sad truth to understand what's happening. Because we're doing selections from the book, that means there are going to be some parts that we skipped over. So we need to talk about what has happened since we left Hannah singing. And it's a bit about Eli and his sons. Eli is the priest at Shiloh, the main conduit between God and his people. He has an important position. Shiloh is a place of prominence in Israel at this time. But he is a weak leader and follower and father. His sons were taking the best part of the meat that people brought for an offering. Now, priests are allowed to eat a portion, but it was supposed to be given to God first. They were robbing the people of what they brought and robbing God of the sacrifice. They're also being sexually promiscuous with the women who served in the tent of meeting, which is a problem, not for just their own souls and the women that they were possibly violating, but for how that's a violation of the temple law where God lived. So they continually are dishonoring God in vile, vile ways. And at the end of chapter 2, God sends a messenger to say, because of your lack of holiness, although you are a family that I have nurtured and brought out of Egypt, I am now going to cut you off. Because Eli had an unwillingness to tell his sons no. So God pronounces consequences for them and says that he will raise up new leadership, faithful leadership in their stead. Now, if you did a study of this passage, you would see how often God's word is mentioned or alluded to quite often here. It's sad that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It was rare because the priests were living how they wanted and disregarding God. This is something that we need to think about. God wasn't silent just because the Lord will not speak where he is not honored. Where he is not welcomed. There will be no vision for those who live openly rebelling against God. Even if they are in service to him. God will not be mocked. 
But we see in verse 3 that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. So there is still hope here. In this part of the story, the author is giving a contrast between Eli's sons and Samuel. And it makes us stop and wonder, what causes some to be faithful and others faithless? Why do some people have a conviction about God's holiness and long for him and some not at all? This is a truth for all of us to ponder and think about. We don't believe it's because they were predestined one way or the other, nor do we think that those who are faithful are somehow better. Yet it's puzzling to see the choices people make, the choices that we ourselves make, and wonder, why? Why is there such a difference? This brings us to the next scene. Samuel lies down close to the ark close to where God dwells. Now, scholars disagree about where exactly Samuel was. Was he in the Holy of Holies or was he not? Ah, it doesn't really matter to me. (laughs) Because how I read this is that Samuel made his bed close to the Lord. I love this. He is serving Eli in all the ways he can while putting himself in close proximity to Yahweh. What a beautiful picture. Hannah has prayed for this child. And where he wants to be is next to God. What is it that you find by being close to the Lord? Where is it that you go where you feel his presence so strongly? His presence gives us what we most need. It says Samuel didn't really even know God's voice yet, but was drawn to the place where he dwelled. I pray this is always true in my life and in yours. For these are often the places where God meets us as we see here. Where God can bring a word of guidance and hope for others. On the next part, Samuel is called three times before Eli understands what is happening. Samuel, Samuel, he says. God talks to him just like he did with Abraham and Jacob and Moses, calling him by name. Samuel thinks it's Eli who is talking, so he runs in there eager to serve. Finally, it dawns on Eli what is happening. And so, in a great mentoring move, he instructs Samuel what to do next. This is the part that is very bittersweet. Because the voice that used to talk to Eli has moved on now to talk to someone else. And this brings me to tears. How would it be to know God is bypassing you to give another person your role? Now, good transition happens all the time and needs to because all of us are replaceable. We ourselves have made several staff changes uh, in key leadership positions in our church. But that's not what this is. This is God replacing Eli in favor of Samuel because of Eli's moral failure. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But for now, we might have some compassion for Eli who is literally watching his job as a conduit between God and the people being wrenched from him in real time. 
If he has regret, he doesn't show it. And instead, in one of his last acts as priest, he tells Samuel exactly what to do. The voice Eli used to hear will now be going to someone else because the word has to be lived out. In verse 10, there is another moving part that I missed in my first few readings of the chapter. Eli tells Samuel to go back and lay down. And if he hears the voice again to say, Lord, uh, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, instead of God speaking to Samuel, verse 10 tells us that the Lord came and stood forth, calling as at other times. You know what that means? That means that God physically came near to Samuel. What an amazing truth that the Lord wants to know us and wants to make sure that we can hear him. He comes near us near us. His presence is unmistakable. His goodness is all around us. Perhaps like Samuel, we need to be taught. Yesterday, Pastor Michelle did that for us at women's retreat, teaching us in different ways how to hear the voice of God. And so many of us heard the voice of God. Maybe we need to be more quiet, shutting out the noise around us and in our own heads. So that we can hear and sense that God is right here with us. Since Pentecost, God's spirit is absolutely accessible for all of us. He will dwell with those who seek him. Now, Samuel couldn't have known that the first time he actually hears what God wants, that it would be judgment against his spiritual mentor and father. And this is probably not what he was expecting. But I want to talk for a second about how God's holiness means that he has to exact justice. Because what Eli's sons did was wrong. They were openly flaunting their rebellion against God as if he weren't real, as if he were not, he wouldn't care, as if he were not to be feared. How hurt people must have been by their demands to have their appetites met. See, there has to be healthy fear of God's holiness. These guys knew better. The word God spoke was one that was going to make every ear tingle, he said. Let Israel hear. This is not okay. There's going to be punishment for the blaspheming sons and the father who would not restrain them, who allowed them to stay in their job. This is a devastating word. This is not just a cute story about how God calls a little kid. This is about judgment, and it should make all of us weep. Not just for Eli's sons, but for all of us who fall short of God's glory. For all of us who deserve to be banished from his sight. We mourn and we lament for those who have been victims of those in power in the church in any way. We mourn and lament how it continues We mourn and lament our own sin. 
Because in this passage, what we see is that there is justice. But we know that there is also grace. And we give praise to our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us eternal life through his death on our behalf. Everyone deserves death for their sin. What kind of God takes on our punishment on himself? The kind of God who knows that we can't do it on our own. The kind of God who knows that grace is greater than our sin. Hallelujah. Now, some scholars think that Samuel was 12 at the time of this story because the Jewish historian Josephus said that. If so, think of how young he is. He is barely the age of accountability, and God has chosen him to be a prophet at a key location. But he is still 12. It is a sobering thought to consider what a burden this must have been for young Samuel. He doesn't want to go tell Eli the prophecy that God has spoken, you think? He's afraid. This is the only emotion that is recorded of Samuel in the Bible. He is afraid. So he does what he knows to do. He gets up. He opens the doors. He starts the day. And Eli does indeed call him. Because now Eli is dependent on his protege to know what God said. The roles have been reversed. And in a surprising move, I think he gets tough on Samuel. Let me get this straight. He will not discipline his own out-of-control sons, but he's threatening the one that God has spoken to. There's something a little off here, I think. You see, sin changes everything about us. Eli's silence has made him complicit in the actions of his son. Some have opined, and I think this is true, that Eli takes this news with humility and he accepts the justice and the consequence that God is giving him. I agree with that. But I think that there's another issue going on here that we might call a family system issue. At no point is Eli repentant that is recorded. You see, he already knows what Samuel's going to say. He's already received the word a few weeks ago. He knows what it is. He doesn't have to threaten Samuel. He knows. And no, at no point does it say that he said, I'm sorry, God. Even we know it's not going to reverse the consequence, perhaps. But is he not sorry? He just kept going on with his life, ignoring God, just like his sons. And you think, whoa, there's got to be some truth there. Okay, Okay, whatever, God, you do you, and I'm going to do me. This is a key lesson for us. Listen when God brings discipline. Take correction. Be humble. Get on your knees. Remember, you don't make the rules you don't know best. And if you are apathetic to God, if you don't care when he brings correction or if he brings conviction and you don't feel anything in your soul, that's something for you to question. Why don't I care? Why don't I care that I'm doing this thing and I'm doing whatever I want and it says in the Bible that it's wrong and people are telling me, whoa, wow, you're out of control and I don't give a rip. Stop and pay attention to that, please. 
Pay attention to your soul. Don't just keep going on. When our reaction to terrible consequences is only, it is the Lord, let him do whatever seems right to him. We have to rethink that. We don't want to be in denial or we don't have a, want to have a lack of caring for what the creator has for us and our future. This is a priest of the most high God. This makes me weep. The last few verses are just though pure gold in Samuel's early professional life. Just like Jesus, it says that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And here is the touching part. The Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. That meant that Samuel was working in tandem with Yahweh. Samuel listened to the Lord and he spoke to the people what he heard God say. The word was not wasted. It was not thrown out. It was not tossed aside. It was kept as a treasure. Think about these people. The word was rare in Shiloh. Maybe they had never seen the word of the Lord lived out. Maybe they never experienced and now they're having water for their souls. The drought is over. God is working at Shiloh. This is the best part of this whole story. It says that where Dan was in the north and where Bathsheba, Bathsheba, Beersheba was in the south that everybody knew that Samuel was the established prophet. And because of Samuel's faithfulness, the Lord appeared at Shiloh again. Do you know what it takes for God to be present someplace? The faithfulness of his people. It takes believers trusting in the Lord and putting his holiness and love at the center of life and then proclaiming the truth that he gives. How the people must have been so glad. What a good God we have. In the end, I think my heart is moved at the utter holiness of Yahweh that we see here. That he is making his will known. He is taking control over the place where he wants his life to flourish. And I love the obedience of Samuel that makes that possible. The obedience of Hannah that made that possible too. How is God speaking to you through this passage today? When the Lord speaks, there are multiple reasons. Jake talked about it already this morning. God speaks to give us encouragement and forgiveness and conviction and courage to live in these days and assurance and comfort and peace and vision for the future and great, great healing. God's word is always to move us forward and to make us like him. So where... Where, what are you hearing right now from the Lord? And may we, along with Samuel, be able to stop and regularly say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.